0: The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. So this week, we have a guest that is a practicing dentist at an FQHC, Federally Qualified Health Center in Detroit. And she went to Detroit Mercy for her dental school, fairly recent graduate within the past few years. And just looking ahead for next week, we're going to have a solo episode with 10 of my top tips for first year dental students, 10 D1 tips. If you noticed, there was not an episode last week, that's the first one I have ever missed for a Monday upload, but I actually lost my voice last weekend from the football game and tailgate and everything, so that episode is getting pushed back to be October 11th, where we'll talk about my tips for practicals, but I do so want to do a little recap, especially because it's been two weeks now since I've talked to you all. So, a couple of the high points, as you might imagine, I've been having a really great fall semester. I have really loved Ann Arbor. I feel like I'm hitting so many spots that were on my list for coffee shops, for restaurants, things to do. And I feel like I've been engaging with a lot more of my classmates and other dental students and just having, honestly, just a really fun time, really making the most of my three years left here in Ann Arbor. And talking about dental school specifically. So, in SimLab, it's pretty fun at the moment because we're doing crowns and dentures. And I feel like the worry that I had was everyone being in SimLab together because previously we've been split up in half. But now that we're all in one room before the semester started, I was kind of nervous that we wouldn't get enough feedback from faculty, it would be really hectic. It would be really warm in there but actually pretty much none of that is true. The only thing that is a struggle is when we need to use the wet lab which is a good amount of the work that we're doing. The wet lab is connected to our simulation practice clinic. It's just another space that has certain machines and where you do like your mixing of any materials that you need to do for impressions or casts or even some waxing things, curing machines for your dentures Things like that are all in that room, and they don't have 100 of them for all 100 of us. So we get to kind of come in after hours and complete projects on our own time if we feel like our time is not being used productively in SimLab. which I appreciate that they're letting us at least be in control of our own schedules. So that's mostly what I do. And then for academics, we don't have too many exams coming up until October. So it's mid-late September right now. So I've been staying up to date on our classes that have weekly assignments and weekly quizzes which is diagnostic sciences radiographs, and then also our orthodontics class and our endodontics class. So all of those I'm pretty good at keeping up weekly because we have assignments and quizzes going on, but some of our other classes that are just going to be fully graded based on a midterm and a final, I tend to like to wait till about two weeks before those exams to sit down and watch the lectures just because they stick better in my brain anyways. So those classes I'm not really focusing on yet until it's a little bit closer to mid-October when those exams are. Um, I did just want to also update about kind of my headspace and everything. So far this fall term of D2 year and like I said, I've been having a great time in general in life. I've been very happy and everything. And that's definitely carrying over into my academic life and physical wellness. I've been working out a lot more. I'm trying to eat healthy. I'm trying to do things that make me happy, talk to people that I enjoy as frequently as possible. And that's really been helping me avoid any negative headspaces. And I also feel like I'm developing healthier ways to cope and avoid and combat negative feelings emotions headspaces that may come up and i'm getting good results through that so that's all really really good updates and with all of those updates we can get right into the episode with dr chelsea covington
1: chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month each lasting four hours or more Botox, onabotulinum toxin A, prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, 8 to 9 headache days a month versus 6 to 7 for placebo. myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications including botulinum toxins as these may increase the risk of serious side effects.
0: Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more.
2: All right. Hi, everyone. So we have another guest here today and I'm going to let them introduce themselves.
1: Hi, everybody. My name is Dr. Chelsea Covington. I got my Bachelor of Arts in sociology from the University of Michigan in 2012. Then I went on to the University of Detroit Mercy and got my doctorate of dental surgery in 2019. So I'm kind of a recent grad. I was also blessed to get the National Health Service Corps scholarship during my time at Detroit Mercy. After graduation, I did a general practice residency a GPR at St. Joseph Mercy, Oakland. And then after that, I started working at a federally qualified health center, (FQHC) on the east side of Detroit. And I also am on the um, interview committee for Detroit Mercy, interviewing students that are trying to get into dental school. This would be my third year doing that.
2: That's awesome. I guess we can start talking about your GPR a little bit. Can you just talk about why you chose to do a GPR and how that experience was?
1: Yeah, so I chose to do a GPR personally because I just wanted more experience. Um, You really don't know what you don't know. Um, So that was a good opportunity, you know, to get my feet wet. And a lot of things that I didn't learn in dental school, I was able to do implants. I was able to do a lot of operating room cases. We did a lot of work on special needs patients. We had a lot of attendings come in and teach us things. We went over a lot of cases. We did a lot of presentations. So it was just a good way for me to um, advance my skills and get more comfortable before I went out into the real world. I'm an introvert. I'm kind of shy. So I just wanted to make sure I was comfortable doing everything, um, all facets of dentistry before I just went out on my own.
2: Do you feel like the gpr taught you things you didn't learn in dental school or just further solidified those skills
1: i would say both okay so in dental school i did not get to do implants or place implants so i got to place quite a few implants did some you know endo cases and then with the attendings you know everyone people were taught different they had their different you know ways they do things so just catching on to different ways of doing things because in dental school is kind of like Is this one way to do it? And that's it. So learning different ways and what works for you pretty much is what I learned in residency.
2: And looking at your work now, you said you had the National Health Service Corps scholarship. So you knew you would end up practicing at an FQHC. Did you Mm -hmm. I guess how did that process work for figuring out which location you were going to work at? Did you kind of get to give your pick or did you still have
1: to interview at places? Um, Right. So you still have to interview at places but it's kind of open. So they made it easy where they have a portal of job listings all over the U.S., right? So you just pretty much go on there, see what's open and apply. And then you just interview like you would be interviewing for any other job. I'm from Michigan. I'm from Detroit. So I just chose to stay local for now.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Did you figure that dental school at Detroit Mercy was kind of a choice for you because of staying local or were there other things that made you choose Detroit Mercy for your dental school?
1: Uh, I actually wanted to go out of state for dental school and I did get accepted to a couple of places out of state. However, I did receive a scholarship outside of the National Health Service Corps before I received that scholarship. Detroit Mercy gave me a pretty good scholarship, so that's why I was going there. On top of, I did a summer enrichment program prior to entering dental school where it was called Summer Enrichment Program. It was a six-week program for underrepresented students and disadvantaged students pretty much to try to give you the resources to help you be a better applicant to get into dental school. So I was there for six six weeks at Detroit Mercy, and I got to, you know, meet people, meet the the staff, um, faculty. And I pretty much felt like it felt like a family there. So then, you know, that kind of solidified everything.
2: My, one of my roommates did the summer enrichment program there too. Oh, and had a really positive experience too. Yep. So that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. You mentioned you graduated in 2012 from Michigan. What did you yes. do in the years between undergrad and dental school?
1: I wasn't complete with all of my prereqs when I graduated so I did take some more prereqs, and then I also started working. And I, also, I was working at an FQHC in Detroit, so I got to see a lot of patients that needed a lot of help. So that really kind of put my foot in the door of wanting to help the underserved communities and seeing the need that they have and kind of wanted to bridge that gap. So that's what I did uh, between those times. I was working and took a couple more prereqs.
2: Got it. And did you have any people that stick out as mentors throughout your dental journey? And how did you kind of get those connections?
1: So in undergrad, not really, actually, actually had an advisor. And this this story is kind of more common than not. I had an advisor that I didn't do well on one exam, and he pretty much said, um, you're not going to go to dental school. Pretty much, that's what he would say. So I kind of stopped going to him altogether. I kind of leaned on my friends, or I just sought out opportunities myself to get me through um, undergrad and, you know, towards my goal of getting into dental school. And then it wasn't until I got into the SEP program, the summer enrichment program, that I met Dr. Deirdre Young, because she was the director of the whole program and she really helped me get into dental school pretty much she put that program together and she made sure all of us our applications were together we had personal professional development and everything so that we can be good applicants for dental school
2: That's really great that you found someone that finally started to support you and show you that you can do this. I feel like every student needs to hear that from someone. It's a shame. I agree. So many advisors really put people down. I don't know why that they do that.
1: I I don't understand it. And that's why it's very important to, you know, if you can, to give back when you can and just, you know, talk to students, let them know your story. Because, you know, some people they just don't know that they can do it until they see somebody else can do it. So it's important to reach back you know, and help those students.
2: And in a way, I feel like you're still pretty involved with Detroit Mercy since you're part of their interview committee. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about your experience at Detroit Mercy and if there's any like particular things you were involved in that really stick out to you?
1: Yeah, so I had a great experience at Detroit Mercy. I was involved in a lot. I was involved in many organizations in the school. I was able to go on mission trips, which I loved. And I would recommend, I don't know how they are doing it due to COVID now, but if you can, I would recommend that. Detroit Mercy, it was a family. Um, I like that. And I, I tell the students when I'm interviewing them that at Detroit Mercy, for instance, if you don't do well on an exam, you'll have professors that will reach out to you, see what's going on, say, hey, I see you didn't do well. Is there anything that I can do to help you succeed in this class? So they don't want to see you fail. They don't want to kick you out. They want to see all their students succeed. So that is something that I really appreciate about Detroit Mercy. Just be involved. Learn from the other students. Everybody's in it, at a different place in their life. Just, just get involved and don't, don't try to do everything alone. Okay?
2: <laughs> yeah, and you just told us a lot about what you were involved in. Is there anything in particular other than being involved and trying to build that community that you would recommend dental students do to better prepare themselves for when they start working?
1: I would say clinical skills, they will come. Um, You could take CE courses, continuing education courses. You can do residencies. Those clinical skills will come. On a personal level, I would say, believe in yourself first and foremost. You didn't come this far just to get this far. So trusting your skills, you are the doctor. People or patients, they will try to undermine you sometimes, especially, for instance, well, I'm a woman, so, you know, they'll, they'll, and I'm young, so they'll always look at you. Are you old enough to do this? But on the flip side, there are those patients that will be happy to see you. For instance, they'll say, you're the first woman doctor that I've ever had. So those things, just, just try to flip it. Every day is not going to be easy, but you just remember the good days and keep pushing. Everything is going to work itself out. So just like I said, just, just believe in yourself, believe in your skills and everything's going to come together.
2: And I guess talking about how you get all kinds of different patients and every interaction can be a little bit different. Can you break down for us what a typical workday looks like for you at your FQHC? Kind of how many patients do you see? What types of procedures are you doing?
1: Okay. Yes. So I'm again, my FQHC, QHC is on the east side of Detroit, so we're typically able to start off with a huddle just to go over any difficult cases or patients or anything that needs to be said prior to the day starting. We typically will see 10 to 20 patients we try to see, and we do mostly the bulk of our procedures are restorative or fillings, extractions, tons of extractions, and removable prosts, dentures, partials, things like that. Now, we can do, we do have, we can do endo, we can do crowns, we can do all of that, but it's just the means of if the patient can't afford it, because most of the patients, they have been looking for years to find a place that takes their insurance, or they either don't have insurance. So, if by the time they get to us, their teeth are in bad, very bad condition. So, my biggest thing has been to educate them. Education is very key. Oral hygiene instructions, diet counseling, proper ways to brush and floss, just getting them back on the right track so that they don't have these issues in the future. We even have kids. Kids are coming in three years old. All of their teeth have cavities on them. So it's really just, you just have to let those parents know. You just have to educate. Education is key. And it's not always their fault. They just don't know. So once they find out, they start doing better and they get excited about getting things back on the right track.
2: And do you see yourself continuing to work at an FQHC long-term or would you be more interested in private practice or not really sure yet?
1: As of now, I do see myself continuing working at an FQHC. However, I would probably, you know, like a day, day or so work, you know, somewhere else where I can do more things. But that's right now. We'll see. I don't know if I want to specialize. So we'll just see. But right now I'm leaning towards the FQHC route.
2: That's great. That's super admirable that you want to serve these communities that really need it the most. Yes, absolutely. And you mentioned your residency. You mentioned the general topic of CE. Is there anything that you've done since graduating that you feel like really helped you improve your clinical skills?
1: So COVID hit during residency um, and then I started working. So really, I just kind of went into working. But the biggest thing is to use your resources. For me, that was my biggest thing. Use my resources. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I lean on my support system. I lean on my friends that are dentists. We are always in a group chat asking questions. What would you do in this case? Even the other dentists that work with me, I'm not afraid to ask, ask for help.
2: Do you find that most people, maybe not like dentists that graduated with you, but older dentists, they're asking for help? Do you ever feel like intimidated or anything? I feel like that would make me a little, I just wouldn't want to seem like I don't know what I'm doing, but at the same time, you need to ask so that you can learn, if that makes sense.
1: Right. It's You know what? It's not really intimidating because the funny thing is they'll ask questions too, because they've been out of school for so long, things have changed. So I find it that they'll ask me questions as well. So it's kind of a two-way street.
2: Okay, that's good. That makes me feel a little Mm -hmm. bit better. Right. (laughs) So I just have a couple more questions before we wrap up here. One would Mm -hmm. be, what is your motivation going into work every day? day? What kind of gets you out of bed?
1: The response from my patients, I want to make sure they have the best experience because a lot of the patients, their first thing is, I don't like going to the dentist. I don't like dentists. And I'm like, well, that makes me feel good. That's how that's my response always. But I just want to make sure they have the best experience and make sure I'm providing the best care for them. So that's my motivation. I'm pretty much self-motivated. I just want to see, you know, good in the world. I want to make sure they are getting good care. So as long as, you know, I'm doing something for my patients, providing them with the care that they need, I'll be good.
2: Do you find that patients that have had bad past dental experiences What are some of the ways that you kind of make their experiences with you better? Is it listening to them? Is it taking more time to educate them? Is it like, what do you think really stands out to make their experience better?
1: It starts with listening to them. Um, You have to listen to their concerns, see why they are the way that they are, and then talk them through the treatment plan. A lot of them will say, well, this dentist told me this. I don't understand. So I do take a lot of time going over the treatment plans, showing them the x-rays, showing them the decay on the x-rays so they believe me, and then educating them, telling them what we can do going forward. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you really got to take the time out to listen and then give your input.
2: With all that considered, do you feel like you're moving at a bit of a slower pace because a lot of these patients need a lot of care or does it seem like kind of the pace you were expecting?
1: It's kind of a, the uh, pace I've been expecting. The only thing that would slow, slow me down is because we have so many patients. So we're kind of booked out and that's the only thing that I can't you know, keep on yeah. top of their treatment plan because we're booked so far out. Mm-hmm. But as far as everything goes, it's pretty much at the pace I thought it would be.
2: Okay, so pretty busy, actually, on the other hand.
1: Yeah. Pretty okay. bu- it's pretty steady,
2: I would say yeah. that. It's okay, that's good. So my last yeah. question for you before we wrap up is, how do you balance your professional and personal life, making time for things you need outside of work?
1: You just make time. <laughs>
2: you mm-hmm. just do
1: it. <laughs> I got in the habit of working out before I go to work. So I work out every day at 6- 6 a.m., then I go to work. And then if anything else comes up, I have the rest of the day to do it. So pretty much, I know you probably probably heard people say people make time for what they want to make time for. And that's, <laughs> that's pretty mm-hmm. much true. So no, you that, just got to make time. Sense. Yeah, that yeah, makes and, a lot of sense. And, yeah. in dental school, I pretty much failed at that. I feel like I failed at that. Um, I was always studying. I didn't want to always go out and things like that. But I would recommend you go out more like you don't have to be, you know, tied down to the booth 24-7. You know, you can mm-hmm. you can enjoy, enjoy dental school as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. So thank you for everything and all your good insight today and sharing some of your experiences with work and your process of getting into dental school and how your dental school experience went. If anyone really relates to what you're talking about or has any questions for you, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you?
1: You can get in contact in contact with me on Instagram at Chelsea Marie DDS. And if there are any pre dental students, I do offer a scholarship every year. This is my second year that I'm giving it, but it's going to be annual every year for underrepresented students. So you can look out for that. It will come out every May. So we're wrapping up this one. But if you want more information on that, you can reach out to me as well.
2: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time again today.
1: Thank you for having me.